the conversation that you're about to hear took place on April 7th, 2020, between the renowned mathematician Ronald Cicero and myself, Abhijit Nascar, a neuroscientist. Enjoy the conversation. We have arrived at a period in our evolution where, very similar to when uh, uh, the Enlightenment age started. I mean, there are so many new things that, uh, new technologies, new approaches, new communication, globalization, that uh, uh, our old thinking methods do not apply very well. Our old values are, are completely uh, overtaken. Um, uh, we all used to, to learn sayings when we were young. Uh, for instance, for any action, there will be a reaction. Or, or sayings like that that guided a little bit our, the background of our lives. And most of this, these sayings are not valid anymore. We have to change, we have to find other things. So we, we are at the, at the edge of something. A change is needed. Uh, every one of us can realize that the way we are living now will lead nowhere. Increasing productivity all the time, there's, there's no limit. There must be a limit. And we are living on a limited planet, on a finite planet, so there must be a change. And then suddenly comes this terrible thing, a virus. Uh, and uh, for most people, it comes like an unexpected. Unexpected in a system who is already rigid, who has its habits, who is not very flexible. And uh, as it was not expected, we don't know how to react to it. We don't have the flexibility to react to it. Uh, for people who have studied a little bit of history, viruses are a common thing. Every 50, 100 years, humanity has been stripped by a virus. And uh, uh, we know quite well how those things developed. In fact, uh, uh, the first ones who studied the uh, uh, population evolution in those cases are Euler and Bernoulli, who happen to be two Swiss, uh, two Swiss mathematicians. Um, so we know how to, how well it develops, and that uh, exponential growth is is something uh, that is very well mastered, but who is not intuitive. It's not intuitive because we are so used to linear growth. Let, let me give you a quick example. Um, let's say you have ants. And those aunts are looking for a new house. They find a bottle of Coca-Cola. And they start filling up the bottle of Coca-Cola. They reproduce, they double the, the number of aunts every day. That's the rate of reproduction of, of our aunts. So they're in this bottle of Coca-Cola. And after 100 years, somebody says, well, we maybe better to look for another bottle because this one is half full. And other people say, well, it's half full. It took half 100 years to fill it half full. So we have plenty of time to look for another bottle. And they don't realize that next day it will be full because of exponential growth, doubling the population every day. So we have no intuitive idea of how those things can, can be invasive and destructive. And... Uh, uh, Obviously, it creates fear. It creates fear, we're all afraid. And uh, uh, with fear, 
We're in a dangerous situation, according to me. Let me tell you why. Most of the world is now ruled by dictators. Uh, dictators who, who, who are only concerned by themselves, by the, their power, by their uh, narcissistic, narcissistic uh, uh, attitude. And what do dictators do? They govern by fear and hope. They just give a little hope and using the fear of the people, that's how they govern. They enslave us like that. And now half of the world uh, is governed. In this context, I remember uh, mentioning of dictators. In this context, I remember uh, a little statement from Noam Chomsky. He said yeah. the, best way to, the best way to sustain, like uh, to keep people under control is to give them, uh, give them freedom within limits so that they have the sense of freedom yet they do not even know that they are under control <laughs> yeah that's exactly true so i'm afraid that uh, when you're speaking of the future there are two possibilities or we are at the edge of a sort of enlightenment age and we'll take conscious we'll start being more and more conscious that what we have done up to now is not precisely the right way to go so it's a big opportunity to change to to instead the the, the huge investments that will have to be made after this crisis will be over or they go to the same way the same people and the same structures that were there before that means mainly to banks to uh, financial systems or it's an opportunity to invest that money in other things. Um, so I, I just saw that uh, the Spanish government was now planning to give a, a basic income, a basic monthly income to everybody in Spain. So that would be a, an interesting direction to explore and uh, uh, an interesting investment that Spain would make. Or it could go in the opposite direction and uh, uh, politicians could exploit our fears uh, and our hopes and uh, in, a, in a terrible way. And they would present themselves as the only possibility to be saviors of, of the people. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, think, I think the times are interesting, they are very painful. Uh, incredibly painful for people who who have uh, uh, family who, who died, who can't even go and, and visit them after they died because uh, so, so I, I, I saw have in, in my environment two or three cases of people like that and it's really a terrible situation and it's like a it's like it's like a, a curse it as we don't see it, it comes from a sort of invisible world. And uh, uh, you see all the, the, this magic uh, thinking who comes, who surfaces again. Uh, yes, this is a punishment that God is putting on us and all sorts of... So we, it's also the possibility to regress three or four hundred years and come backwards. Who knows? Who knows? But it may be an opportunity to to develop and to change and to do better things i, I think know. that is the, uh, that is that is the only way to look forward and move forward to 
look at it as an opportunity. I mean, the, the first of all is that this specific pandemic, this specific little thing, as little as virus, it has done two things. It has, yes, put fear into the minds of the people. But at the same time, this little thing that we cannot even see with our own bare eyes, this little thing has united the whole world, literally united the whole world. I mean, there, there, there will always be, so long as I can see, there will always be these two sides. As you said, that the world is mostly controlled by dictators. And I'm sad to say that that is the fact. That mm. is the fact that the, of the world that we live today. But there are also people who can look beyond and who do look beyond. And this specific pandemic has given us the opportunity to look beyond the benefits of the self. And companies, I mean, uh, I haven't gone deep into the matter, but what I am reading, what I'm looking at, uh, the research and data and the reports, that companies that have never, ever paid attention to the benefits of the people above their own benefits, above their profit margin and all that, they are right now working to create uh, supplies, all the PPEs and ventilators and medical supplies for the doctors and healthcare workers and uh, the people suffering. So this has also given people, this has given the corporate world as well as pe regular people the opportunity to look beyond the self. So, the, however, at this very point of time, because the science has advanced so much, medical science specifically, uh, in the genetics department, that actually, uh, if it had happened several centuries ago, I mean, it would have caused havoc throughout the world. It would have caused much more death. But because it happened now and because of all the advancements that we have made, so this is the one thing that I think that we must know, we must mention, because of all the advancements that we have made in medical science, in modern medicine, we were able to recognize the virus, recognize the spread, and even reveal the genetic code of the virus so that people all over the world, all the medical experts, all the healthcare workers, they can start uh, screening it, they can start uh, going ahead with the procedures of lockdown, whatever, shutdown, whatever it is necessary. So at this time, there is also selfishness, there is also selflessness, both are at work. So beyond this whole moment, we have two roads open. And I think all the things that we are noticing, the positive one will is more, much more likely that people will look beyond, look beyond their own nation, look beyond their own state, their own language, because this, this virus doesn't care about your race, it doesn't care about your nationality, it doesn't care about your religion or non-religion or anything. It just goes for your lungs and basically chokes you to death. That's what's happening. And at this moment, so we can look forward we can look forward and either we can be selfish, as you said, the fear, the fear is causing much more harm to the world than the virus itself right now. And mm. that, is, that, is, that is my great concern because uh, whether it is in our uh, neuropsychology, we have psychosomatic disorders. Also, we have 
it is a common known fact in the world of neuroscience and psychology that when you feel sick, you become sick. So that very fear is also making people sick. That very fear is also going to uh, make people unhealthy. And that is the psychological part. That is the physiological part. But there is, again, the societal part, the social behavior that fear is causing, causing people to panic by. They are buying all the resources, whatever, whatever they can get, because they don't know what to do. Mm. I mean, uh, at, at one point, I'm a biologist, so I study human behavior. I cannot completely blame them because this is also evolutionary. I mean, the first thing uh, at, at a moment, uh, at, a, at an existential crisis, the first thing a person thinks of is to gather resources to sustain the life, sustain the life of themselves and the immediate family. But the question is, are we living in that kind of savage world anymore? I mean, is there no difference? Technically, there is no difference between animal and human, technically, scientifically. But is there really no difference between animal and human? So we have to think whether we are animal or whether we are humans. Because if we are animal, okay, go on panic by and forget about whether anybody else can get some food or not, whether they can get some groceries or not, and uh, whether they can live with the resources that they need or not. Just you think of yourself, you gather all the resources, you buy everything that there is. And there have been several uh, videos and several uh, uh, news that whether people are literally just filling up their truck with all the groceries and everything that they can get at the mall and supermarket. I mean, more than they need. And what about the rest of the population? What about the others? Mm. So this is the moment that we have to think about that. Uh, the first of all is that all the medical professionals, all the healthcare workers, they are doing their utmost best. And we will get through this. This is not the end of the world. No. This is just a lesson. This is a lesson to us. Yes, can, it's we, kind of who we are. Yes. This is a lesson. This will reshape us. It's a lesson like a microscope. You know, uh, this virus acts like a microscope. It allows us to see things that uh, we wouldn't see with naked eyes. Um, families have to stay together, confined in the same, uh, in the same space for, for two, three weeks. That has never happened for years and years. Are they going to stay together or are they going to fight? The husband who was used to meet his uh, his mistress uh, twice per week cannot get, step out of the house to to get, meet her. So it's creating all sorts of things, and uh, uh, it's not in that sense. It's not bad because uh, uh, we learn better who we are, and everything starts by learning who we are, what we are deeply. That's the only possibility for us to change. So. The period is really interesting. What you said on on uh, uh, science has there would have been millions of deaths uh, without scientific research and without the knowledge that we have accumulated. I agree with that. But um, what is also happening is that, like in the Middle Ages, uh, what was security? If you were in a small city, security was having high walls all around the city. And 
I'm afraid that our dictators are starting to build the high walls. They are saying, okay, that's for us, not for the other ones. And we can also see one of the things that we can see under this microscope is uh, that our liberal uh, capitalistic system doesn't work for any situation. Let me give you an, an example. Um, is it normal that ha hospitals have to compete on the price of, uh, of masks or, or ventilators? Uh, is it normal to apply this, what would be normal in normal circumstances, uh, the prices demand and offer? But here, can you, can you, can you bet on demand and offer when you're, you're in a situation where you're saving lives? Uh, I think it's, it doesn't apply. I believe that our liberal system doesn't apply in, <clears throat> in at least three sectors. Uh, health, healthcare, you can't compete. We have a company in Switzerland who's selling a, uh, um, how do you say, uh, when you pick yourself uh, an injection for $2.2 million, one injection, but it can save the life of a baby. Uh, now, how do they justify their price? The company who invented that, the owner of this company, it was a startup, sold it for $50 million to some other bigger company. Then finally, when the big, uh, huge Swiss conglomerate bought it, it had been bought and resold at least five times, and they paid it, paid it several billions. So that justifies the price of $2.2 million for one injection. But... And that injection is paid by Social Security. So how could the system work? Is Social Security now financing speculation? Um, there's no end to that. So in healthcare, I don't believe the liberal system works. We have to find something else. We have to dig our minds and find something else. In education, it doesn't work either. Uh, is it normal to pay incredible prices to have higher, higher education or better education, I think it doesn't make sense. And the third place where it doesn't make sense is uh, scientific research. Um, uh, you can't pay uh, a biologist 1,000 euros uh, or 1,300 euros in France and pay a, a football player several millions per month. It doesn't make sense. Um, I don't see the, well, there's a logic of demand, but then marketing and has taken over, over anything. Uh, the goal has become, become famous instead of, of be, be good in what you're doing. It's two different things. So I'm like you, I'm really full of hope that we will come out of this crisis bigger and stronger and with a deeper thinking and uh, another consideration of what a human being really is, um, of his place in nature. We are not full in all powerful people who can do whatever they want. Uh, we are still biological entities. We are submitted to laws of, of nature. We are part of a whole system uh, and danger can come from smaller things and from bigger things and we are right in the middle 
And because we are right in the middle, we are in an incredible position. Because uh, we, we have this brain, who is probably the place where the density of complexity is the highest in the whole universe. If you go to bigger things, like planets, stars, the, the density of complexity lowers when you go to bigger things. And when you go to smaller things, like uh, insects and uh, bacteria and viruses, the, the complexity also lowers. So we are exactly at the position where the highest complexity existing in the universe assembles. And that's an astonishing position to be, but a very fragile position also. I think, uh, yes, you pointed out, I mean, that's, a, that's an extraordinary position. That is a fragile position, but that also, that also gives us extraordinary insight, extraordinary capacity. I mean, that very position enables us to look at our mistakes. Yes. We are, we are biological beings. And because we are biological beings with this extraordinary complexity of our brain, which happens to be the most complex organic structure we know of in the entire known universe. So that gives us the capacity to be aware of our mistakes. Because we are biology, we have a biology. We are not machines, so we will make mistakes. No matter how advanced we get, we will keep on making mistakes. But we only can grow if we learn from those mistakes. And, mm -hmm. and the point is that we learn more in conflict than we learn in comfort. Sure, sure. So, so this very conflict, this very chaos has, yes. has put, us, put us in a war zone. So either, exactly. you exactly. either you survive or you go extinct. Exactly. I, I would like to have your opinion on how do we get out of this crisis. Because I was uh, listening today to what happens in Singapore, where they had, they, they had mastered the situation quite well. They had a few, very few deaf people, but now uh, it's gone out of suddenly out of control because they have readmitted foreign Singaporean students who have come back from the U.S. From, and did those students didn't behave the same way as the rest of the population and started. The, so how do we get out of this crisis? And uh, I believe that there are two things that are absolutely necessary, and I would like your opinion. First, we have to know our enemy. So we have to have tests. Who is bearer of the virus and who isn't? so we can isolate specific populations. But second, we, we need a second test, not who only has, is better, but who has had already, who overcame the, 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 the sickness and who did not overcome. Because those are the first people that we should let out to work and to restart uh, to, to the, 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 the economy, uh, whatever economy we restart, to restart it. So we need those two tests. And, or, so uh, I don't know, but I hope some labs are working hard to, to develop those two tests and that we will find a good strategy to, to open up and not make a, a big mistake opening, opening up. Because this thing will probably circulate around the world and uh, 
come back and if you want to avoid and it's all like in uh, uh, the Spanish flu in in 1918 I think uh, the second wave might be much more damaging than the first one so we have to find a good strategy on how do we open up and it's by testing I think the tests are crucial here uh, actually uh, I mean here as I said, we'd learn more in conflict. And this is a very position where we are in a kind of a dilemma. I mean, the ideal, the ideal action would be to, the moment you learn about the first few cases in your region, in your country, that's the moment is to lock down your nation, complete lockdown, shutdown. I mean, uh, okay, there will be economic significance economic mm. implications, but we can revive economy, but not a corpse. So we have to first lock down the country. So mm. that is the ideal situation. But what does it even mean? I mean, today, um, basically, we live what we call a democratic world, most of it at least, let's just consider it, a democratic world, which means people are given a sense of freedom. People uh, even if there is a law, people are still free to behave the way they want. And even with extreme law enforcement, you cannot make people do things unless they feel like doing it themselves. Mm. And what are you going to do? You cannot, you cannot make the people of an entire nation behave the way you want, behave rational, be oh. behave reasonable. So here's the thing. In, in this case, in COVID-19, more than 60%, new data is showing, more than 60% are asymptomatic, which means they have either mild symptoms or no symptoms. Yeah. So which means they don't have any symptoms, they don't feel sick, so they don't need to get tested. And that is the whole point. Because of these, these majority, this vast amount of people, they don't feel sick. So they don't know that they have the virus, even if they did. And these people keep going out, keep talking to people, keep gathering. And that's the whole problem. Unless we enforce that shutdown, enforce that lockdown in a nation at a very early stage, we cannot stop the virus from spreading. If we do it later, then there is no use of it because the virus has already spread in a, uh, in a far more extent that we can control it. So that is the ideal situation, which we can do at most at our part, as we, as in the healthcare experts and officials, uh, government officials, and all of that. If they do it later, there is no use. So mm -hmm. that is why uh, if you do it later, okay, yeah, for a small period of time, there will be a little drop in the car curve. But after some time, again, the second wave. Because, because those who got the virus, they were not aware of it. They have spread it to other people. Now they are getting more sick again. So ideal situation is to shut down the entire world, and it has already actually happened. In a, a, most of the world is now under lockdown, at least many countries. Where uh, now we are saying, and because the U.S. didn't lock down from the very beginning, now the numbers in U.S. have crossed way over Italy and Spain. So, yes. and now even if there is a lockdown. It's not going to change anything. People are still going to get sick. So it's not just about 
law enforcement is not just about strategy. We cannot fix the sickness of a society merely with strategy. That strategy has to be followed by the responsibility of the citizens. Unless the people, I mean, a hundred people or a hundred regular people has more power than one leader in this case. So unless those hundred people, those thousands, those millions feel responsible that whatever happens, we must not go out. We must stay indoors. We must self-isolate. We cannot contain the situation, no matter where we are. Yeah. Yeah. 